Isn't it wonderful to know that because we are His and that He is with us, that we can go on no matter what life may throw at us and know that especially that past which is a, has guilt and shame associated with it, that through the blood of Jesus we are forgiven and released and you are loved by God today. I hope you know that living reality in your life, the joy and peace that comes through the saving work of Jesus on the cross. If you don't, I urge you in the name of Jesus, before you do anything else today, to get your heart right with God and live in right relationship with God through the finished work of Christ on the cross on your behalf. We're delighted you're here today. And today I'm bringing to a close a series that we started four weeks ago entitled The Church 360 Degrees, where from different vantage points we've looked at what it is that we've been called to as the church of Jesus Christ, as Christ's disciples. And we started out four weeks ago looking at what it means to be people who are committed to spiritual growth to biblical instruction, to giving our life over to the Word of God. And we looked at the example of the Acts 2 community, which is recorded for us in the Acts of the Apostles, and how the, they, these early Christians devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to prayer. We also looked at what it means as a church to be committed to one another in community, to be connected to one another in Christian love, to experience that authentic koinonia, that sharing of everything, our, the joys and the concerns, the burdens and the victories, and being a people who live in community. And then last week we looked at how out of this, as we give ourselves over to spiritual growth and biblical instruction and living together life in community, that we then are thrust out into our wider community to take the good news of the gospel to those across the street and across the globe as a people on a mission. And now this morning, as we conclude these four messages, we're going to look at Jesus' call to the church to be a people of compassion, a people of service to God where together as the people of God, we can reflect the Father's heart of mercy and compassion to serve the world around us. Now, I've distilled in each of these weeks the, the theme of the message down to one word. The first week, the word was grow. The second week, the word was to connect. The third week, to share. And this week, our watchword is the word to serve. To serve. Have you ever noticed how there are certain regrets in this life that fall under the category of what might be called, if I'd only known it was you, if I'd only known it was you, I would have behaved differently if I'd known it was you. Imagine for a moment that, a, that you're single and a friend of yours says to you, I want you to trust me on this. I want you to go on a blind date with a girl I know that's just absolutely perfect for you. She has a terrific personality. She's beautiful, and I think she's a perfect mate for you. But because you've been burned before in that blind dating scene, you just out of hand say no. Sometime later, though, you meet this young woman, and she turns out to be the most gorgeous, intelligent, and godly woman that you've ever met in your life. And you think to yourself, 
if I'd only known it was you. Lee Strobel, the teaching pastor at Saddleback Community, said that years and years ago, his dad had been approached by a paper cup salesman while golfing at a local country club. Basically, that guy was asking Lee's father to consider joining him in a business venture, and he was asking Lee's father to invest just $950 in a scheme that this fellow said would guarantee a big payoff. Well, Lee's father had been around the block several times by friends who had burned him on these great investment schemes before, and he wasn't about to throw $1,000 away on something like that. The salesman was a a guy by the name of Ray Kroc, who was trying to bring together an initial group of investors to fund a new expansion concept for a local hamburger joint called McDonald's. Needless to, to say, Strobel's dad missed out on millions of dollars in investment. And I'm sure he must have said to himself at various times, if I'd only known who it was. I read a story some time ago about the great Mark Twain when he was returning from a very successful fishing trip up in Maine. And although the fishing season in Maine was over, Twain had disregarded the law and had fished anyway. Well, on his train ride home, he started bragging about this very large catch of fish to the only other person that was riding in the club car with him. And yet this guy wasn't at all seeming to share in Twain's enthusiasm about this great catch of fish. So finally, Twain, out of curiosity, asked the man, so what do you do? And the guy said, I'm the game warden for the state of Maine. Twain nearly swallowed his cigar, and it was definitely one of those moments when you say to yourself, if I'd only known, if I'd only known. But I think that the ultimate, if I'd only known moment, is one that comes in this text today that Greg read from Matthew 25, which is a part of a larger text, which is what we call the Olivet Discourse, Jesus tells this story in Matthew 25, and it might be the single most sobering story Jesus ever told. While he was talking to a crowd of people, Jesus began sharing about how one day he will return to this earth in glory with all of his angels at his side. The image that Jesus gives here in Matthew 25 isn't one of a huggable little lamb, but the picture we have of Jesus is one coming in glory and might, a king coming in power and in authority to judge all of humanity. And as Jesus explains how this day which is yet to come will look like, He says that that He'll separate all humanity the way that a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. And he will gather the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Put in contemporary terms, the the king will say to those sheep on his right, 
Come, you who are blessed of my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world is yours. And here's the reason that he, he blesses those to his right in this way. He says, I will do this because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was illiterate and you took time to teach me how to read. I had no work. I didn't have a job. And you helped me get training and ultimately employment. I was old and sick and alone living in a nursing home. And you used to come and visit me. I was living on the streets in a cardboard box. And you helped me find a place to live. I was sitting in prison. I was regarded as a convict. And feared and shunned by everyone else. But you took time out of your busy schedule to come and to give me a message of hope. And then Jesus describes in this text in Matthew 25 how he will relate to those on his left. And he will say to those, depart from me, I never knew you. For I was starving, and you knew it, and you did nothing about it. I was hopelessly illiterate, and you didn't lift a finger to help me learn to read. I was without work, and you carelessly went on your way, more concerned about your own career. I was alone and old, sitting in a nursing home, and yet you forgot that I was there. I was living on the streets, but you wouldn't even turn your head to look at me as you passed by. I was sick, and yet you were only concerned about how it would make you look if you were to associate with me. But those on Jesus' left said to him, When did we see you, Lord, like that? I don't remember that ever happening. When did we ever treat you like that? If only we had known it was you. If only we had known that helping others was helping Jesus. If only we had known that serving others was serving Christ. How differently, how differently we might live our lives. And Jesus will say, I assure you, when you did not come to the least of these, you were doing it unto me. When you did it to one of the least, you did it to me. When you did not do it to one of the least, you did not do it to me. You were refusing to help me. Now, I realize that that there are people who struggle with this particular passage because it seems to to put forth maybe a works righteousness concept which goes against the grain of our understanding of salvation by grace. And it causes us to wonder, is Jesus telling us that we can earn our way into heaven by simply participating in compassionate acts? And I want to be very clear so there be no doubt nor confusion. We are saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with 
your good works. It has nothing to do with with your efforts and your striving and your and and and, and your your goodness. We are saved by the grace of God. Jesus is not saying here that we're saved by the good works that we do. When he separates the sheep from the goats, he's not saying the thing that distinguishes the sheep from the goats is the, is the fact that they've earned their way to this. But in the most powerful way that he can express it, he's making this point. That once you and I have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, our lives become characterized by a life of service. We become doers of the Word because the Word has come and taken up residence in us. We become not just hearers of the Word, but we become doers of the Word. Jesus is saying in the most powerful way that He could have expressed it, He's saying that in His judgment of humanity, what He expects to characterize His people, that is you and me, those of us who are saved by grace, what He's expecting from us is that we would be people of service, people that have a heart of compassion, people who are committed to serve the needs of others. And for Jesus, that is the ultimate expression of a transformed heart and life. That of all the values embraced within the kingdom of God, Love, mercy, and compassion, I think, are the most important. In every respect, when we serve and when we reach out in compassion to others, we are authenticating our faith in Christ. It validates our identity. It says who we are. It communicates something and identifies us as the people of God. Such that when a community gets turned on to service and reaching out in compassionate love and mercy to the world, that we become like a city set on a hill and the light of our lives shines and beams so brightly that others begin to, to come, become aware of the love of Christ because we are showing the love of Christ through our own lives. You see, whenever we see another human being in need, someone who's loaded down with a burden, we have a choice. We can extend our hand to them. We can notice, we can see, we can feel, we can hear, we can pray, we can care, we can serve. We can extend ourselves. Or, the other choice that we have, we can avoid. We can withdraw. We can look the other way. It's up to us. But as the people of God, we are called to notice, to reach out, to love, to pray, to care, to see, to feel, to serve. And yet to those who choose only to live for their own comfort and gain, Jesus says in verse 45 of chapter 25, I assure you when you refuse to help the least of these, you were refusing to help me. If I had only known. And I'll tell you that one of the most sobering parts of this story in Matthew's text to me is that Jesus doesn't say to the goats, you oppressed the least of these. He doesn't say you went around burning crosses in yards 
you robbed them and engaged in acts of violence against them. He doesn't say you did bad things to the least of these. He just says, you're to the left of me because you did absolutely nothing. You were blind to the needs. You looked away. You decided that you had more important things to do that were worth your time and energy. And you didn't lift a finger to help them. And those to his left will say, if we'd only known it was you, Jesus. If we'd only known it was you. After Mother Teresa's death in 1997, the Bishop of Calcutta was asked about what it was that moved this gentle woman to do all that she did for others. And the bishop said, it was not the plight of humanity that drove Mother Teresa into the streets. It wasn't to the poor, the dying, and the lost that she went. She did it because she understood that they were Jesus. Throughout her indescribable life of compassion, Mother Teresa was only ministering to one person. She was ministering to Jesus. For every woman that she nurtured through their grief, she was ministering to Jesus. For every man she cared for in distress, she was ministering to Jesus. And I want to say to you today, friends, even though we may have some theological differences and some doctrinal contrast between us and Mother Teresa, she got that right. She got it right. And we evangelicals can learn a lesson here. Because I think that many of us in the evangelical wing of the church have forgotten that social justice is not a liberal or a mainline issue, that social justice has to do with the people of God. We are a people on a mission, and we minister to the whole person, not just to their faith needs, but to all of their needs in a holistic way. And every time we choose to listen and pray for someone, rather than do that which would be relaxing and meaningful to us, we are ministering to Jesus. When you visit a neighbor who is sick or or an elderly man living alone in your neighborhood, you are consoling Jesus. You see, I believe it blesses God when we give ourselves away in service to others. In the same way that we've received from God, we are then to turn it around and give it to others. So that when we listen to one another, We have been listened to when we serve one another sacrificially as we have been served, when we forgive one another as we have been forgiven by God, when we have given generously as God has given generously to us, when we enter into the lives of others as God in Christ has entered into our lives. And yet it seems to me that so much of our faith life is focused on so much less than that. Sometimes we view our Christian life as no more than some self-help endeavor intended simply to make our own lives better 
And by doing this, we make Christianity into something that serves us rather than serving the King of Kings. We've been saved by grace so that we can serve. We are to be servants. So how do we change this? How can we develop a more compassionate lifestyle? Where do we start? I think we start by doing what Jim Wallace suggests in his book, a book entitled Faith works. We start by getting out of our houses more often. And as we step out of our own little slice of our own little world and we begin to step into the lives of others who need to experience for themselves the Father's love as we have experienced it, a whole new vista of opportunities will open up to you and me. You see, I believe we all tend to isolate ourselves too much in our own little world. My wife Kathy and I kid about her three-mile radius when we lived here in town. It's no longer three miles because we drive 19 miles home. But when we lived here in town, she had kind of a three-mile radius that went from our house on Cameo Way to her place of employment, to the church, to the grocery store, back to home. That was kind of her three-mile radius. And I think that a lot of us live in a three-mile radius or smaller. We get caught up with our stuff. Where we play, where we go to school, where we work, where we shop, where we go to church. And we typically, because we like community, as we've already saw we, we typically connect with people that, that are like us. And if we don't step out of the narrow slice of our own little corner in our own little chair, we'll never be able to understand the great need, the vast need that's out there. People with different accents, with different skin colors, who live in different economic conditions, If you stay in your own little slice of the world, those people different from you will never register on your radar. You won't even realize that they exist. And here's why that is so dangerous and why it's important for us to get out of the house more often. At least in my own life, I've discovered an amazing capacity to convince myself that I'm a compassionate person simply because from time to time, I have feelings of compassion for others. See, I can look at a magazine ad and see a a hungry child uh, needing help, see a picture of a hungry child and feel really sorry for that child. I can think that that makes me a compassionate person when I feel pangs of compassion in my heart looking at that picture. I feel sorrow even though I don't do anything. I can hear somebody else express prejudice or bias and, and, and put racial slurs against people. And I, in my pride, I think to myself, well, I'm not that way. I'm not like that. I think everybody is of equal worth. I feel strongly about that. And because I have those feelings, I think that, therefore, I am compassionate. I can think of myself as a compassionate perfect person, even though I may not be doing anything to work 
for justice. But when you really start to do compassion, that's when you get involved with real people living beyond the borders of your own little world. And you will begin to discover that as we become a doer of the word and minister compassion to others, that this is what, because of the transforming grace of God in our life, this is what you and I are built for. This is what we were made for, to serve the King of Kings by serving others. We are called to action. The proof of a believer's salvation is in the routine things that she or he does. Our actions reveal what we are. So let me ask you as we close today, what did you do this last week to meet the need of someone else? When is the last time you set aside a luxury that you wanted for yourself, but instead gave to a needy person and something that they needed? When was the last time that you shared your time, your prayers, your thoughts, your love, your kindness, or your substance with anyone recently? A truly redeemed person of God, redeemed by the grace of God in Christ, will be a doer of the Word. We will flesh it out in our day-to-day living in a life of service. And it's sad to me that we live, and I include myself, in such a self-indulgent society. When as Christians we ought to be giving ourselves away for the benefit of others. And I want to remind you that every last person in this room has the capacity to be an agent of compassion. Whether you're a thinker or a feeler, whether you have lots of resources or few resources, whether you are introverted or extroverted, Young or old, it doesn't matter. Every one of you has the capacity to be an agent of compassion. You can be used by God as one of His servants and be His hands and feet and extend God to others. Now, I realize as a church, there's only so much that we can do corporately together to reach out to the poor and the oppressed. I am gratified by the excellent ministry of FAC's food pantry for Jerry Quiot and her team who so faithfully week after week man our pantry for the, the, the people who give to that to help people who are impoverished and going through hard times economically. I'm grateful for people like Chuck and Mary Beth Master and their team who are ministering to those who are experiencing the pain of separation and divorce. And now this fall to have added to that the ministry of DC4K, Divorce Care for Kids, is a wonderful addition to our ministries. But I want to say to you, church, today that I believe that this is only the beginning of things that we should be doing. That as a people who are committed to grow in Christ 
and to live in community and to share the gospel because we are committed to minister to the whole person. We must not give up, let up, shut up until we minister to all the persons in this community. To those who are living on the fringes of our community. To people who are not like us. Who are not part of this waspish church. To impact thousands of lives in our community and in the northwestern Pennsylvania region. Addressing spiritual, economic, and educational needs in a way that instills a greater sense of dignity and strength and respect and honor to everyone we meet. And that's not mainline theology. That's what God in Christ has called you and me to. So let's spring into service. Let's be His hands and feet. Let's find ways that we can help the battered wife, the homeless man, the person caught in addiction, The elderly who are rotting away in nursing homes with no one to visit them and care for them. Let's be champions for those who are dealing with physical disabilities. Let's be advocates for those who who, who are dealing with unwanted pregnancies and support young women who are, are facing that crucial decision to abort or not to abort. Let's not just stand on the sidelines anymore. Let's Get involved in the game and be a servant. Now, I don't know yet what He will call you to do. But I know He'll call you to do something. Whether to serve as a nursery worker or a part of the hospitality team or a Sunday school teacher or a choir singer or an usher or somebody who volunteers their time at the New Life City Mission Center or the Women's Care Center. I don't know what he's going to call you to do, but my, my urging today is this. Are you open to it? Are you willing to listen for the voice of God? I promise you at the end of your life, you will not regret it if you do. You will not regret one moment that you spent, one dollar that you gave, one tear that you shed. Because when you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to Jesus. I want to spare us all from that sobering moment that is yet to come when some people will be prone to say, if I had only known. If I'd only known. Now you know. So what will you do with it? Be a servant of God. And together as His people, we will grow and connect and share and serve until the King comes back in glory and we will be seated at His side as one of His sheep 
the people of his pasture. Let us pray together. Today, Lord, we say yes to your invitation to be your hands and your feet. As a community of faith, Lord, we say yes to you to be that place where life and hope and healing and the compassion of Jesus is extended out to the poor and oppressed and lonely and sick. Today, Lord, we would say yes to your calling on our lives to be servants. And we understand, Lord, that this is intrinsic to our life in Christ. It's not an add-on or an afterthought, but that you have saved us so that we might serve. Help us to move beyond the borders of our own little world and step out into this grand opportunity to join you in the great work that you're doing all around us. And spare us, O God, because of this knowledge and truth. Spare us from moments in the future when we might suffer with regret, saying, if I'd only known. Empower us by your Spirit and make us servants, we pray. Mm -hmm.